This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 28, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Mark Ernay, 1986 until 1988. And uh, which shows or programs did you work on while you were at Hofstra Radio? I hosted some classics from Hofstra in the mornings. I was a news guy, I was a sports guy, and I think, along with Jason Levy, we were the first two co-hosts of what was then called Good Morning Hofstra. Okay. And do you remember any uh, titles or positions other than the, the, the morning show, anything that you, that you did manage, management-wise at the station? I had no uh, managerial positions only because I was working a nearly steady gig as a beer and concessions vendor at Nassau Coliseum. So I didn't really have a heck of a lot of time to dedicate to the executive board, but I had a pretty good sports director in uh, Stu Rushfield, who uh, is still thankfully in the business today working at NPR in Washington uh, he and uh, the rest of the uh, sports machine, as we called ourselves, um, were uh, a big influence on my entire career. As the freight train rolls by, <laughs> this is really funny. So I, you know, I work from home, and when I when this happens before I'm recording stuff or while I'm recording stuff for the morning gig, I have to obviously put it on pause. And when I'm live on Sunday mornings, I almost hope that a freight train will roll by so I can acknowledge it. And it never happens on Sunday mornings. But we've had two now go through in the last 45 minutes. It's bizarre. That's that's hilarious. Um, So did you get drafted into doing uh, any weekend shows, any producing of uh, any of the, uh, the public affairs type shows? You know, I don't remember ever doing any of that stuff, which is not to say I didn't do it, but it was a long time ago and the brain cells are not as plentiful as they once were. Uh, I know that I did some engineering and uh, um, update anchoring for men's basketball and uh, football over the course of time. And... um, but I and women's basketball too. But I honestly can't recall if I did anything with you know uh, Tony Jackson, uh, the Irish Country Show, mm-hmm. or or any of the other specialty shows, Basha and her uh, Polka and Oberic time. Uh, but I honestly, you know, I I know those people and, and I've interacted with them, or you know, going back to that period, and certainly uh, had the occasion, you know, post graduation. Um, to be around them, but I don't remember actually working with them directly. Okay. So going back in time, do you remember what was it that first brought you down to Hofstra radio? And if you could, uh, well, yeah, let's start with that. What, what first brought you to the station? What, what got All you right. there? Here we go. So, uh, you know, when we're kids, everybody asks or talks about what they want to be when they grow up. And, um, you know, when when I, I had friends who, you know, obviously we all have friends who want to be policemen, firemen, doctors. Uh, I had one buddy who wanted to be an airline pilot. I wanted to be Bob Murphy, who at the time was the number one play-by-play voice for the Mets on radio and TV. And I had charted out my whole future uh, as a young lad 
in central New Jersey. And I figured, you know, by the time I went to high school and college and graduated and worked my way up from the minor leagues, um, you know, starting wherever I would start in minor league baseball and working my way up that by the time I was ready for the major leagues, Bob would be getting set to retire. And I could very smoothly segue uh, from whatever I was doing uh, into Bob Murphy's big chair at then Shea Stadium. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I, I still get a kick out of that thinking back, but, um, my, my first entree into WRHU was a a dorm mate in tower E, uh, named Larry Estrich who hosted, uh, airwave. I believe it was on Sunday nights, uh, either immediately before or immediately after Jeff Foss and the, the P five, which I think was Mm -hmm. the post pop progressive punk party. But I, I may have gotten the, the words mixed up. But anyway, so Larry uh, knew of this interest I had in radio and convinced me to come down to watch him do his show. And between him and Jeff uh, having so much fun doing what they were doing on WRHU, that was the moment that the lightning struck. And I said, you know what? This is this. I've always thought about doing this. This is what I'm going to do. And I, the next morning, I, I went and changed my major to communications. And, uh, and thus the path began. And, uh, I, I haven't left it <laughs> for better or worse. Here I am still doing radio. Uh, but it was Larry Estrich and Airwave that, uh, that really sold me, uh, permanently on radio as a vocation. So that first time you went down to the station, did you just go to the studio? Did you, do you remember going to the office for the first time? I guess what I'm asking is like, what did it look like for the people who weren't there at the time? Can you paint a picture of either the studio or the office or both and anybody you might've met when you first went to the station? Well, because it was a Sunday night, I don't think anybody else was around. And I don't remember if the doors were even open. Uh, the studios at the time were located under what was called Bits and Bites, the mm-hmm. uh, quasi-restaurant at Memorial <laughs> Hall. Uh, you know, we're going back 30 some odd years now. And uh, I remember the first time I walked into the studio, the wall of vinyl albums and, uh, you know, the stacks of, of carts, all of which are no longer found in, in 99% of radio stations across the country since everything has gone digital. But uh, all of this stuff, uh, you know, these records from all different genres and um, it, it, you know, it, and it smelled like radio too. It smelled like, it smelled like a record shop, which I thought was cool. Cause I've always, I'd always enjoyed going to record stores um, and, you know, saw the board for the first time Um it was nothing like uh, anything we have seen in the last 10 or 15 years, you know. Um, and as far as the office, I, I think the first time I was ever in the office might have been that Monday uh, after I had gone to change my major and I decided I have to find out how to get involved with the radio station. And I may have walked into the office and I, and I remember um, very vaguely um, looking for um, the sports guys. And, and I remember uh, Stu Rushfield uh, might not have been around, but I left some sort of message probably on a notepad by a phone. Again, a foreign concept to a lot of people who might be listening to this mm-hmm. right now, but <laughs> left a message 
uh, a note that said, you know, this is who I am. I'm very interested and dot, dot, dot. And I'm not even sure I had a phone at the time. So it may have just been uh, one of these, uh, hey, this is who I am. I'm interested in joining the sports staff and getting involved with the radio station. I'll stop back and try and catch you in person. And then eventually it all worked out. But uh, I, I vaguely remember the first time I met Jeff Kraus um, and was shaking in my shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then over the course of time, you know, came to appreciate, uh, why he was the way he was. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, what he did to help transition WRHU from its quote unquote stone ages, uh, to set it up so that when Bruce Avery and company, uh, eventually, uh, became the, uh, the hierarchy for the station, I think that the the station was perhaps on the path that it would uh, that it would eventually take. I just think that uh, you know Bruce and John and uh, the rest of them, especially Ed, coming in as professional in residence at some point down the line. I think between all of them, they helped uh, bring the radio station not only into the you know the latter part of the 20th century, but set it up for the success. Uh, that it's had since. And, you know, here we are in 2021 and it's, you know, amazing when I think back to how we all got involved in our era and then compare it to what the current staff has to go through to get involved. I always tell uh, anyone who will listen that if I had to audition and go through the, go through the hoops that they all have to go through now, I'm not sure I would have made it. <laughs> Because mm. I certainly wasn't as proficient uh, at the radio thing such as it is. Uh, the first day I showed up at WRHU in that dank basement studio in Memorial Hall, um, as they are now when they walk in the door at uh, at the new place, and I call it the new place. The building's probably been open for twenty years, mm -hmm. but uh, it's you know this gleaming. You know, again, comparatively speaking, it is this this shining beacon of light uh, compared to the dark that we had. And uh, it, it really is amazing to see the transformation of WRHU into a, a world-class and, you know, a, a well-awarded, um, you know, established um, sort of paragon for college radio. So, you, you eventually you, you wound up meeting, I guess, Stu and some other people there at the radio station and Jeff. Do you have any recollection of engineering classes or announcing classes or getting that training to get you ready to be on the air, either on the mic or behind the board? Do you remember any of the, the training that you went through? I wish I did. I mean, I, I know, again, you know, I, recalling as, as vaguely as I can um, or, or as vaguely as I have to, uh, I remember that there were engineering classes. We were working on those old boards with the dials. And um, I, I don't, you know, I, I remember taking a four track class. I, I still might have my final project sitting around here somewhere on the reels um, that we did. And um, I also remember at some point hosting a jazz show. <laughs> and, and it was during a time when Jeff Krause was actually teaching a four track class. So you could see him 
through the through the glass uh, mm-hmm. into one of the auxiliary studios teaching the class. And I remember that we figured we could get away with anything since we knew he wasn't listening. And <laughs> so I remember I would lead off the show every week by playing Bob James Touchdown. And I tried to play as many sports-themed jazz songs or jazz recordings as I possibly could, knowing that Jeff wouldn't be able to hear what was going on. So that was sort of a way for me to, you know, get away with stuff. Do you, uh, other than, I, I love the, the the story about the first time you were at the, at the station and that phrase that it smelled like radio. And as soon as you said it, <laughs> I knew exactly what you meant. Other than that, do you remember, you know, other than the jazz show you just, just mentioned, do you remember the first time you got behind the mic and, and, and did a, a news update or hosted a show or the first time you were pushing buttons for broadcast? Was there, do, were there any first that stick out in your mind? I, I don't remember specifically. I do remember the first time that I think I was supposed to do color commentary for a football game. And it was supposed to be for a playoff game that Hofstra, uh, you know, rest in peace, Hofstra football. Um, but we were playing, if memory serves, it was Fordham that we were getting set to play uh, at home in the Division Three playoffs. And again, this is how far back we're going. A, Hofstra had a football team, and B, it was uh, pre the Division One AA day, so it was Division Three, And we were, playing, we were playing Fordham, and my grandparents were coming in from Queens. I don't know why they were coming in to see the game in person when they knew I was going to be in the broadcast booth. Maybe they were coming to see me. Uh, actually in the press box. I, that part I can't remember. But what I do remember is that uh, whoever was supposed to do the play-by-play, and it was either Stu Rushfield or Tony Sabilla, one of them came down with laryngitis and needed to be replaced. And the weather forecast was really not cooperative. It wasn't going to be a balmy day in December. Um, on the campus or at the football field across the street, across Hempstead Turnpike. I remember the, the weather was, a you know, it was supposed to be raw and windy and maybe snowy. And I was thinking, how can I get out of this? Because I really don't want to sit in that prehistoric press box and, mm. and freeze my fingers and toes off. That just wouldn't make me comfortable, even as excited as I was to be doing my first game on the air. And so the with the shift in play-by-play uh, announcer, I said, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we can have somebody else do the color, too, and I'll stay back here and I'll do updates. And so I basically bailed on my first on-air football assignment, or at least mm-hmm. on-site on-air football assignment, and wound up doing updates. And I think I made the right decision because... Hofstra just got crushed. The game was never close. The weather was more miserable than the forecast or how I'm describing it. And it was just an awful day all around. My grandparents wound up leaving in the second quarter. It was that lopsided. And and as much as they enjoyed listening to me uh, do some updates on the ride home back to Forest Hills, uh, it, it was just it was a lousy day all around. And of course, it was the first time I had done updates uh on a football game. So I, I enjoyed that. I wish I still had tape of it. There, there may be 
uh, a recording that exists, but I don't think it's in my possession. Um, but I remember that was, or at least the way I remember it. Um, and it's funny, you know, I, I think back to, um, when Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens were going through their, uh, um, performance enhancing drug uh, mm-hmm. investigations and testimonies and and Roger accused Andy of misremembering and it was the first time I'd ever heard that term and again we're going back about 20 years now and I'd never heard the term misremembering and I always thought it was nonsense but you know over the course of time realizing that again the brain cells are not nearly as plentiful as they once were there are occasions where I will think about whether I'm remembering things as they happened or perhaps misremembering them. And, and this may be one of those times, but the way I remember it, uh, and anybody uh, who has better information on this can please correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Uh, and there may very well be people who remember it better than I do. But the way I recall it is that I bailed on the color assignment to do updates that Saturday uh, and and missed probably the worst uh, playoff football performance in a Hofstra history for at least for this particular format and this project uh, let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story let's just enjoy the stories <laughs> as they are right I have no choice yeah um, so you you've mentioned some some names that are familiar to me uh, who who are the people who are helpful in getting you established at the radio station who are who are the people that maybe you listened to and thought oh that's that's really good I want to do that well, it was, it was, as I mentioned, it was it was Larry Estrich, uh, my buddy who was doing uh, that Sunday night. I'm pretty sure it was Airwave. Uh, Jeff Foss, who was doing that P5 show, he had great pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so he was, you know, again, I, I watched the two of them working and I just I, I enjoyed what they were doing and how they were doing it. And and I go back to, you know, even before that, um, I was a big fan of the old WABC and its music days. So mm-hmm. Ron Lundy and Danning, especially Dan Ingram talking about Hofstra radio. How can I not mention Dan Ingram, but between Dan Ingram and Ron Lundy and, uh, in the morning before him, uh, Harry Harrison, those three and, and George Michael, who had been a DJ before getting into television sports. And I mentioned the sports machine. That was the, the nickname for our sports department. Uh, watching George Michael's sports machine on Sunday nights was, was religion for me for as long as that show was on, um, on the NBC affiliate here in New mm-hmm. York. Yep. So, you know, that, that was, they helped, um, drive my love of radio in general, but it was really, you know, it was, it was the Mets guys because I was a Mets fan. It was Bob Murphy, Lindsey Nelson, and Ralph Kiner, uh, who at the time, you know, for the, for the first 17 years, I think of the existence of the Mets, they did both radio and TV. They would switch, um, right. alternate, over the course of a game. So usually it was two on TV and one on radio. And, uh, so those guys really helped foster my love of, uh, of, of broadcasting to begin with. And then, you know, at, at WRHU, it was Larry and Jeff and, uh, Stu Rushfield and Tony Sibilla and Steve Goldman was another one. Marshall Housefield, uh, Housefeld. I always get his name wrong, uh, but <laughs> it, it, he knows who I'm talking about. And, uh, so it was those four guys in the sports department, uh, Jack Staczynski was another, uh, Steve Oling was, uh, another, so I guess now we're up to six, but it was those guys who really helped me settle in, um, and, and sort of find my feet, if you will, uh, in the sports vein. And, and, you know, I listened back to tapes and I, you know, I, 
I, I think, I hope we can all, those of us who are in the industry are still working professionally in broadcasting, I think, look back fondly on the college days and, you know, hopefully you didn't hit your peak back then. And, and thankfully I was, you know, I was awful. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've gotten much better over the course of time, thankfully. And, uh, obviously I, I think if I hadn't, then I probably wouldn't be where I am now. And I certainly wouldn't be, you know, doing it, uh, let's see, uh, this year it'll be 35 years. Mm. Goodness gracious. Where does the time go? Right. Well, just, just to editorialize there, you're far too humble in, uh, uh, talking about your skills and, and, and your career. So, uh, it's, uh, you're, you're a hall of famer. So, well, I'm, I'm not humble when I say I was awful back then. It's, <laughs> it's, it hurts to listen. And, uh, I know you talked and I don't know if you're going to keep this, but I know you talked to Jeff Raspi, uh, for this project and Jeff actually has the evidence of, uh, of our illegal overnight show that we mm. did. And I, I say illegal in air quotes because at the time, uh, even though WRHU was a licensed 24 hour station, we used to sign off at 2 AM every day and then come back at six and start the broadcast day. And a lot of TV stations would often do the same thing. Right. Uh, it's a lost, uh, uh, one of the lost, uh, eras, if you will, to, uh, to technology is that uh, stations no longer sign off and play the national anthem when they sign off or play the national anthem when they sign on because everybody does 24 hour broadcasting or virtually everybody does 24 hour broadcasting. But uh, we all decided that uh, again, you know, testing the boundaries that we would do an all night, a remote from one of the dorms. I think we were in the Netherlands and I, you know, this is, some of the finer details uh, are lost to, again, the the lost brain cells. But uh, we did an all-night remote broadcast, and I remember that uh, my part of that was to do sports updates <laughs> in between <laughs> uh, during some of the breaks in music. And uh, it was because it was May, it was during the hockey playoffs, and uh, so the Devils were playing the Boston Bruins. And it was the series that uh, Devils coach, it was 88. So uh, the Devils coach, Jim Schoenfeld, got himself into hot water when he uh, had a beef with one of the game officials, a referee named Don Koharski. And uh, at one point he yelled at him, uh, and, and I may mix up the exact quote, but the the gist of it was, have another donut, you fat pig. Hmm. And I don't know if he actually threw a donut at him, but uh, that got him suspended. I think it got him suspended. I know it got him heavily fined. And yeah. it was during that series um, that we were doing this uh, quote unquote illegal uh, broadcast. And uh, it's a funny story. And I remember um, I was actually hosting Good Morning Hofstra back in those days. So I was pulling it, you know, it's, hop, it's college. So. Pulling an all-nighter wasn't that big a deal, but it was pulling an all-nighter of broadcasting, and then I was due in at the station to co-host Good Morning Hofstra. I guess we went on at six, mm -hmm. and I remember at some point making a Dunkin' Donuts run uh, across Hempstead Turnpike and then going back to our uh, base of operations, if you will, wherever whoever's dorm room we were hosting this show in. And then at some point I had to leave to go prep for my news 
anchor shift on Good Morning Hofstra, which uh, was it was a real kick. Um, it it was uh, it's one of those things. As I said, Jeff Raspi still has the evidence, uh, the tapes of some of these updates that I did, and I listen back and I I cringe. Uh, and and while I'm cringing, I'm thanking the good Lord that. I don't sound anything like that anymore, and I've, I've become a little more polished. But it's for that reason, listening back to that tape, and when I listen to um, the the young men and women who joined WRHU, you know, even as freshmen or sophomores now, and they are so much more polished than I sounded then or than most of us sounded uh, back in that day, it really is, uh, it, it's a stark contrast, but it, it it's evidence of how far uh, WRHU has progressed and, and improved uh, as a product over the course of time. I, I think it's it's really interesting in that in that story about the overnight broadcast is your your recall for detail about the devils is spot on, but your recall about details about the actual broadcast are somewhat spotty. And I think there's enough plausible de- deniability in there that. You know, you're, you won't you won't be held responsible for any of the uh, the actions there. There's enough fuzziness in the story that I think you're OK legally. Well, the, the other part of it is, you know, I've listened back to that tape more times than I can count over the last several years. You know, as various anniversaries come up uh, or, or, you know, we're reliving, uh, you know, some moments. And, you know, when I when I was honored uh, to get the to get the call of a couple of years ago that I was being inducted into the Hofstra Radio Hall of Fame, mm. my one of my first thoughts was, I guess they never saw the letter, or or Jeff Krause may have destroyed the evidence. Uh, but I still have a copy of that letter where he announced that I think there were five of us uh, being suspended. And the funny thing is, I think three of the five of us are now Hofstra Radio Hall of Famers. So. Sometimes everybody, uh, you know, maybe bending the rules. I'm not going to say breaking the rules, but maybe bending the rules can can help propel you to greater heights. Um, I, it and the funny story about this suspension that I, I know uh, Mr. Raspi uh, shared with you in an earlier uh, discussion. Uh, Jeff was furious when he found out what we had done. Um, not so much that we had done it, but that we hadn't asked for permission. Right. And, you know, we, we always hear it's it's much easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And I wasn't a big proponent of that adage then. I kind of am now. But uh, so we we did it. We didn't ask because we had a feeling that it would be shot down and we didn't want it to be shot down. We were all you know hell bent on making this broadcast happen. Uh, those of us who took part in it. But there was a, a letter of suspension that came out, it was probably two weeks before we graduated. Uh, you are suspended until further notice. Um, this will, you know, go down in your permanent record, dot, 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 dot. And so, uh, Jeff Krause gave me this letter and, um, I will admit that, uh, at the time and, and even to this present day, I am a little bit of a wiseacre. Um, and the, my first thought when he handed me this letter about an indefinite suspension was, well, Jeff, you realize that graduation is coming up in a couple of weeks and you're going to need a good many of us on this list to come back and host Mm. shows and serve in various functions over the course of the late spring into summer before, you know, before the new semester, the new fall semester starts in late August, early September. And he looked at me 
and it was almost like uh, Dean Wormer in Animal House, uh, where he delivers uh, several times in Animal House, he delivers a line, uh, something along the lines of, uh, I hate those guys. And it was just the way Jeff looked at me uh, through those thick glasses of his and with the pipe protruding from his lips. And he he gave me something along the lines of a Dean Wormer, I hate you guys uh, in 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 the voice that, you know, many of us who are listening to this, I, I certainly can't do an impression, but I think we can all uh, think back and, and recall what, what Jeff Krause sounded like when he wanted to be his, his gruffest and meanest and, and most, uh, most angry. Um, never yelled. I never heard him yell, but he always, he always had that uh, sort of guttural uh, growl of a, um, of a thing that he did when he was upset and you knew he was upset. Um, but I, I, I seem to recall he gave me one of those, I hate you guys kind of things. And I couldn't help but laugh because I had him over a barrel. You, you can't keep us suspended if you need us. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that is, that is one of the fonder memories I have from, from that particular episode. I wasn't really happy that we, you know, got in trouble to begin with because again, we weren't really breaking rules. We were only sort of stretching rules. Right. But uh, yeah, no, the reason I can remember the details of that updater, because I've, I've listened back to it so many times over the, you know, over the, over the decades now. Hmm. So, so we've, we've done a lot of looking back and I don't, I don't want to say it's easy, but we have the, the, you know, the, the benefit of hindsight of looking back at what those experiences meant. And, and uh, so I usually try to wrap up these with this question about, what did you think Hofstra Radio would mean to you in those early days? And I think you kind of alluded to this before, that you walked in, you watched two shows and said, I'm going to change my major and this is how I'm going to become the next Bob Murphy. As you were doing that, is that is that what you thought Hofstra Radio would be? Or or what? if you could put yourself back in those shoes back then, is, what were you thinking? I don't know that I... I thought that I, it would be, it's probably more what I hoped would happen. Mm. And so I wanted to get as immersed into it as possible. And again, you know, the format was a little bit different back then. It was much more rigid uh, in terms of program schedules. It was the classics every morning. It was jazz shows in midday. It was uh, more contemporary stuff at night. Uh, and then when Good Morning Hofstra launched as, uh, you know, sort of uh, the radio answer to Good Morning America or any of the other uh, network television morning shows, it was, uh, you know, an eclectic mix of news and information. Uh, Jason Levy was my co-host. He was, uh, I know he was a program director at some point. I'm not sure if he was the program director during that time, but uh it was it was fun to work with the uh, you know somebody else and and be part of a team, um, and and it was it was fun doing news. You know, I wanted to branch out and make sure that I had uh, a little bit more flexibility in terms of of future you know value to an employer. Uh, I didn't want to leave school as just a play by play or an update guy or as just a disc jockey. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had that that other area of quote unquote expertise that at least I could deliver, you know, a a newscast uh, that people would understand and perhaps be entertained by. And so 
to that end, uh, thank you, Sue Zizza. I am eternally grateful. She was the executive producer of uh, Good Morning Hofstra and hired me, gave me technically my first paying job on radio. And uh, so, it, you know, I, I, I joked when I did my, uh, my, uh, my acceptance speech, if you will, or my induction speech for the Hofstra Radio Hall of Fame, I said, anything that's happened from this point, blame Sue Zizza, <laughs> because if she hadn't paid me, then I'm not really sure I would have had the confidence to go out in the real world and try and become a professional broadcaster. Uh, it was the fact that she took a flyer on me and allowed me uh, to do or to, to contribute uh, to that morning show that uh, that I had the you know the the whatever bit of confidence that I had going out into the real world to to go look for work in radio and uh, so that was uh, that that was probably the biggest influence that Hofstra Radio that WRHU had on me uh, but again I wasn't so sure that you know it would be the launching point mm-hmm. I was hoping it would be and uh, looking back now on again just about 35 years, uh, I am grateful and happy to report that I suppose it really was the the launching pad because without it, I, I don't know where I would be right now. Wow. Mark, thank you so much for sharing these stories. They, they're fantastic. And uh, I, I'm hopefully you have more and we can do this again sometime. Thank you, Brian. You know, I've enjoyed reliving them, and I, I only regret that, you know, here, here's the, the the brain cell reference again, but uh, a lot of damage was done during those undergraduate days, and uh, unfortunately, my powers of recall um, are not what they once were. <laughs> I think, you know, obviously age has a lot to do with that, but I, I, I think some of the things that I did as an undergrad, uh, again, you know, bending the rules, not breaking the rules, uh, <laughs> may have contributed to the, uh, the lack of clarity. <laughs> well, well, uh, I appreciate this and, and other folks I've talked to, uh, usually within a day or so, I get a message saying, I remembered other stories. So <laughs> maybe this will, will unearth some of those memories and maybe some of them will, will stay where they are. We'll, we'll see. But thank you so much for doing this, Mark. This was great. Thanks, Brian. If it does, I'll let you know. I promise.